Welcome to the Gingsburg Podcast. After today's message, take a sec and download the Gingsburg app. It's the best way to find out about and engage with what's happening at Gingsburg. We hope the following message helps you activate your faith and take the next step with your journey with Jesus. Hey everyone, good morning. My name is Pastor Dennis. It's great to see each and every one of you this morning. Welcome to those worshiping for the first time. I'm glad you're here, and I want to say welcome to those worshiping online. We're in week number two of our current teaching series, Let Us Pray. Last week, we looked at persistent prayers as we looked at the persistent widow, and today, we're going to go deep. No more dull paddling in the shallow end. In fact, we're going to launch out into the deep. I may even push you in today. There are all kinds of prayers that we can pray. I hope that you offered some prayers this morning. Of course, we began this message today with the Wesleyan Covenant prayer. Think back in your mind to when you learned how to pray. Perhaps it was with mom and dad or a relative, grandma or grandpa, perhaps it was in Sunday school or vacation Bible school, or maybe it was just recently. Certainly, Jesus uh, taught the disciples how to pray. I remember my first prayers, which were recited prayers, prayers of memorization, prayers before lunch. How many here prayed a memorized prayer before lunch? Anyone? So you know what I'm talking about. Before we eat, we bow our heads and thank you, God, how's it in, for our daily bread. Or God is great, God is good, and we thank him for our food. Or I like to say this prayer, rub-a-dub-dub, thanks for the grub, amen, let's eat. <laughs> and then... Bedtime prayers. I was taught recited prayers. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. And then for the remainder of the time before I'd fall asleep, I would be worrying about dying <laughs> in my sleep. <laughs> And praying that God would save my soul. Isn't it amazing what you put on young kids? But that was, that was me. Well, I want to put all those good prayers to the side. And I want to go deep. I want to talk about dangerous prayers. Prayers that will change you personally. They'll change those around you if you pray them. And certainly they'll change a church and a Jesus movement. And certainly they'll change the community if we'll pray them. There are many dangerous prayers littered throughout the Bible. I'm just going to give you three for the sake of time. But if we'll pray these prayers, Kingsburg Church, we'll be a different kind of church. We'll be a different kind of people. In Miami County, in the Miami Valley, Montgomery County, we'll be different because we as a people are praying these prayers. I'm going to make it simple. Each prayer will be just two words. Are you ready? Say, I'm ready, Pastor Dennis. You're, all right, you're wide awake. Let's look at the first prayer. It's a simple prayer, but oh, if you pray it, it'll change you 
And that is the prayer, break me. Break me. Ecclesiastes chapter three, verse three says, there's a time to build up and there's a time to break down. When we become a follower of Jesus, God adds things to our lives and God takes things away. God builds us up and God breaks us down. Let's look at a few stories in the New Testament. In the 19th chapter of the Gospel of Luke, we find of a time in which Jesus is journeying down by the Jordan River near the Dead Sea in an ancient city, even for Jesus, it had been there long before, named Jericho. Crowds were forming around as Jesus had entered the town. And Luke records there was one man who was well-known, a wealthy man. He was not well-liked by the people. His name was Zacchaeus. He was not simply a tax collector, but he was the chief tax collector, and he was known as a scoundrel. He was known as one who had robbed from the poor to feed his own pockets. In fact, religious people did not like him. He was called a sinner, and yet Jesus saw him. He was up in a tree. The Bible says he was a short guy who wanted to see over the crowds, and so he went up into a sycamore tree, and Jesus called him Zacchaeus. What did he say? Some of you know this song from childhood. Come on down, because guess what? You're having a house party today, and I'm going to be there. I'm coming to your house. Now, I can only imagine what the religious folks thought. Here's the chief sinner of town, and Jesus is hanging out as his house. Doesn't he know who he is? And yet Jesus went to Zacchaeus's house. Let me pause right here. Here at Gingensburg Church, we have a saying that we echo all the time. It's a wonderful saying. We try to live by it, and it's Jesus eats with everyone. Most of you have heard that time and time again. It's one of our themes. Ingsburg Church is a church with open arms because Jesus eats with everyone. Jesus was even accused of hanging out with tax collectors, gluttons, sinners, prostitutes, and others. Because of the love of God, Manifest in Christ, Jesus eats with even me and even you. One of the things I love about Gingsburg Church is that we're a church of not crossed arms, but open arms to the world. Y'all come. Jesus eats with everyone, even me and even you. There's hope for all of us and even Zacchaeus, period. But you know, that's not the end of the story in Luke. If we stop there in telling the story as a church and simply say, Jesus eats with everyone, yes, we're telling the truth, but it's not the full story. See, God is a God of grace. What's grace mean? Unfavored merit, something that we don't deserve or own. It's freely given. Now, it's, it's not cheap grace, as Bonhoeffer would say. Amen? Anybody awake this morning? It's not cheap grace because it costs something. It costs Jesus his life on the cross. 
but it's free. And Jesus, the manifestation of grace, gives that grace to others. That's not the end of the story in Luke 19. For Zacchaeus, there's something better than simply Jesus sitting at his table. It's through the experience of Jesus. In the presence of Jesus, friends, were changed. And the end of the story is that Zacchaeus begins to pray a break me prayer. Break this pattern of financial management. Break this pattern of of sinfulness, of stealing from the poor, of self-centeredness. In fact, he repents. He, He stands before all and he says that I'm going to return what I've stolen up to four times the amount. I mean, it's more than just saying, boo-hoo, I'm sorry. He's actually doing something about it. And what did Jesus say? Jesus said, salvation has come to this house this day. Zacchaeus prayed a break-me prayer. 2,000 years later, we're still talking about this person that would be considered in our culture a no-name 2,000 miles away 2,000 years ago because he prayed a break me prayer. Good news, good news, good news. John chapter eight, Jesus is teaching in the temple and the religious folks, he was always having problems with religious folks. Religious folks came by and they had brought and thrown before him a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. The law had declared that she could be stoned for that. That was capital punishment in those days. Now, I've always scratched my head at this story and say, wait a minute, where was the man at? I mean, typically, you know, it takes two people in this whole thing. But in the story, we just have the religious people bringing the woman and said, so what shall we do? Jesus is just down. He's in the sand. He's scribbling, the Bible says. Then he says, well, he who's without sin, you go ahead and cast the first stone. And then we'll go ahead and do our part. The Bible says one by one, of course, they dropped their stones and they walked away because they knew that they had sin in their life too. Now, Jesus was the one who could have cast the stone <laughs> Jesus was the one sinless. Jesus was the one without sin. But what did Jesus do? He talked to her. Jesus had compassion. That's the love of God. Jesus eats with everyone. Jesus, the incarnation of love before her. And he says, neither do I condemn you, he says. What a great message And Jesus then, as she's leaving, says the rest of the story. See, this is grace and truth. He says, no, go and break this habit, this lifestyle. It's destroying you. He says, actually, go and sin no more. Meaning it's not God's plan for your life. It's not God's best for your life. It's it's hurting you. It's hurting your spirit. It's hurting your family. It's hurting other families. And certainly it's dishonoring God. God's got a better plan for your life. Break this, this pattern. My love is here, but there's something better for you. There's more. Pray a break me prayer. And all throughout the New Testament, we see this beautiful combination of, of grace at the table 
and also truth. When was the last time that you prayed a break me prayer? What's broken in your life that needs to be healed? For some of you, it's the spirit of fear. And you today need to pray. It's been overwhelming for you. There's been times in my life that I've been caught up in this or worry. Some of you, it's not that. It's the spirit of bitterness. You're holding on to some resentment of someone who's hurt you, harmed you in the past. And you have become a prisoner to your mind, to yourself. And you need to be free. Jesus came. Whoever the sun sets free is free indeed. And you need to pray a break me prayer. I, I can't do this on my own. Break the chains that are imprisoned me today, oh God. That's my prayer. Maybe for you it's some sort of self-pleasure or self-sitterness that the world revolves around you. And it doesn't matter who you step on on the way to the top of the ladder. The truth is that the world does not revolve around you. And you need to pray a break me prayer. Sooner or later, if you mean business with God, you've got to come to the place. I've got to come to the place where I say, break me, Lord. How many today would raise their hands to heaven and say, oh God, break me. Break this addiction. Free me, Lord. And God will. It's a dangerous prayer, but he will. The second dangerous prayer, number two, is lead me. Lead me. Psalm 40, 143, verse 10 says this. You are my God. Show me what you want me to do and let your gentle spirit lead me in the right path. It's a, it's a dangerous prayer because God will take us to a place we never dreamed or imagined back in around January, I preached a teaching series on knowing God's will. And just go back on demand into our YouTube channel if you want to, to follow that and check those out. But in one of the messages, you remember, it was kind of like, let's make a deal. We look at God's will. Is it door number one? Remember this? Door number two, door number three. But that's not the way it is at all. It's, it's more like God's will is that we get into the river of God's spirit and God will take us to a place that we never dreamed or imagined. I, I remember nearly 30 years ago standing on the stage of Hoover Auditorium at Lakeside, Ohio, there along Lake Erie. Beautiful place in the state. My wife is on the board of directors there today. But I was standing before 2,500 to 3,000 church leaders with the bishop at my ordination, before the bishop laid his hands on my head, I had to declare my faith and I had to make a decision to be an itinerant preacher. What does that mean? That you'll go wherever the bishop sends. No, it's easy to come to Gingsburg. <laughs> but God can also send you to the ends of the earth or at least Ohio. <laughs> now remember, I'm from Southeast Ohio. You can kind of tell the twang in my voice. You know, I'm from Appalachia. And to be tr truthful, you know, I'd never really heard of this part of the state at 22 years old. I mean, I'd heard of it, but, you know, this wasn't home for me. And so in me saying yes, I had to say, I'm willing to trust you, God, that you have a bigger plan for my life. And if I would have said no, I would have missed you. <laughs> I would have missed being here. I would have missed you and you and you and you. What is it in your life 
that you may be missing. You don't know because you know what you know and you don't know what you don't know. Praying lead me is a dangerous prayer. I love telling the story down in Marietta, Ohio. Uh, how many have been to Marietta? It's Ohio's first city. I love that city. It's a great place to visit. I was a superintendent in that area for some time, as some of you know. And I love telling the story, the founding of the Methodist church down there. And I remember a few years ago, I was preaching at the historic Christ United Methodist Church, that beautiful facility down in downtown Marietta. And I'd been to the church several times, so I knew the building and knew of all the stained glass windows. They have stained glass windows of Christ with the, the sheep, the good shepherd, and they've got other stained glass of his birth and everything. But back in the corner in the narthex of this old building, there's a little window that often people miss. It's not a window of Christ or another biblical figure. It's a window of an old Methodist circuit rider named Peter Cartwright, who was one of their founders of that church. And so this is Marcy's area, right? So she's been in that church before. So I remember I was having some fun with him. And I said, as a student of history, do you know much about your own window? Do you know the history of Peter Cartwright? Now, many of them knew of him because they'd pass that every week on their way to church, but they did not know the history. So let me tell you about how he came to Marietta. It's found in his autobiography. In 1806, Cartwright was appointed by Bishop Francis Asbury to serve the Muskingum Circuit in Marietta, Ohio. At the time, he didn't want to go. That was the ends of the earth, Marcy, your home, Marietta, down there by the Muskingum and Ohio River. And so this is what he wrote. Now, also remember, I'm reading this to them, and I was loving it. He wrote this. At the time of my appointment, I had heard dismal stories about them. It was said that they lived entire, almost entirely on pumpkins, molasses, fat meat, and bohai tea. Worst, they hated emotionalism and religion and would only listen to their own sort of learned preachers. I love this part. When my appointment was read out in Zanesville, it distressed me greatly. I went to Bishop Asbury and begged him to supply my place and let me go home. The old father took me in his arms and he said, oh no, my son, you go in the name of the Lord. It'll make a man out of you. And so he went, oh God, you sent me of all places to Marietta. Share this message to your, with your mom. And he was committed to $100. That's what they were going to pay him for his annual salary in 1806. But he later wrote that they only paid him those cheap Methodist $40. So as the DS, I loved coming down there to that lead team. And I said, don't be like your ancestors. I want you to pay your preachers when they come. <laughs> but then a spark began to ignite in the midst of the people there. The same kind of Holy Spirit movement that began here in the 1980s and 90s. It caught on. And today, even, there's remnants of that work of 200 years ago. There are over 1,000 people called Methodists in that whole area, that old circuit from Belpre to, to Marietta. 
Now, here's why I tell you all that beyond a history lesson. You say, what does that have to do with me in Miami County today or Montgomery County, Pastor? Is this. Cartwright could have missed it. Amen? He could have missed it if he went back to Kentucky where he wanted to go. That's my wife from Kentucky that's echoing today. He could have missed the miracle. And I want to say, don't miss it. Since 2004, we have invested here at Gingsburg $10.5 million to relief projects through our Christmas miracle offering. In the Darfur Sudan region alone, over the past nearly 20 years, we have created projects and mission that's impacted literally for many of their lives, 250,000 people and built over 200 schools for children. But let's back up to 1979. In 1979, the church was a good church. It was doing good things. It had had student pastors every two to three years from United Theological Seminary. Some of you remember those days. You were part of that mission. But the church and the conference decided they were going to do something strategic. They were going to put a full-time pastor there and even bought a parsonage. And Mike Slaughter likes to say that he was told by the DS that he would be a good pastor if he just bide his time, then in two or three years he could go to a big church. And someday he might even be able to go to a real big church to end his career like Troy First, United Methodist, which we love our sisters and brothers up at Troy. That first year was tough. The church grew from 90 to 60. Wait a minute, get my math out here. That's not very good. So it said, my, I told someone this morning, my goal is to take this place from 1400 and worship a Sunday to, to 140 on Sunday. Just kidding. <laughs> But then God began to move. God began to work. The people stopped saying, well, we've always done that way before. And God did a movement. What I want to say is they would have missed it. They would have missed the impact in Darfur. Don't miss it. I think we know where we're going here, right? Here's what I really want to say as your pastor today. Some of you are missing stuff, personally. You're missing the greatest adventure of your life. You're shortchanging God. You're missing being used personally by God. And you know what it comes down to? Let's nutshell it. You don't trust God enough with your one only life. You believe that you're doing pretty good on your own or your way is the best way instead of the one who put the stars in place, the one who made the sun come up again today. And you're missing it. You're missing God's best. Don't miss it. Lead me prayers are dangerous because they'll change you and they'll change the community and they'll change the world. Let's go to one final one this morning before I lose you this morning. Here it is. Use me. Use me. You say, oh no, pastor. Oh no, no, oh no, God. Because I know what it really means. I really, I know it'll mean abuse me. It's like the disgruntled worker going out of the 
place of employment, this job, these people are just abusing me. But God doesn't want to abuse us. God wants to use us to be a blessing to others. We are God's workmanship. And when we're praying, God, use me, here's what we're praying. God, make me available today with my one and only life to bless someone, to mend a fence through me, to heal a hurt through me, to bring freedom to another person. I make my life available to do a work through me. The prophet Isaiah put it this way in Isaiah chapter six, verse eight. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send? As if God is scanning the world, looking to see who's available. Who will go for us? And Isaiah says, and here I am. Send me. Use me. When you leave this place today, just pause. Or maybe if your car's too chaotic with many other people, when you get home in your quiet place, just without any of you and God, lift your hands to heaven and say, oh God, use me. Use me at Kroger today. Use me at the restaurant today. Use me at my place of employment today. Let me tell you one more story before we leave. Now, I was praying a prayer several years ago. It was 2007. As I was, pick, I was pastoring up in Piqua at Grace Church there by the high school. And I had a good buddy that many of you know in Jim Wilson, who was the pastor of First United Methodist Church in Troy. And of course, Jim now is our district superintendent. And one day, Jim said to me, hey, Dennis, I want you to go with me to Nicaragua. I've been working down there. We've established this uh, place for disabled children called Bradley's House of Hope, named after his disabled son. And I want you to go and take some people from the church. And I know that many from our church have been down there as well with Troy First and, and Jim. And so I went. And we were one day in the capital of Managua and we were visiting a children's hospital. Now this story may sound familiar to a few of you because I shared it on Facebook about a month ago. As we were walking down the hall, there was a woman, really desperate, who came out. She had heard that there were some American pastors on the hall. And so she came out and she just saw me, I mean, this tall white guy standing there, acting like he didn't know what he was doing. He said, hey, you, Father, you, Padre, you. And I'm looking around like, who is she talking about? Yeah, you, pointing to me. Come here, come here. I need you, Father, come here. And it was, just, of course, through a translator that I walk over there. And she says, I need you to come and give the last rites to my teenage son. He's dying of cancer. The doctor says he's not going to make it, maybe even by nightfall. Would you come? And, and I immediately said, well, ma'am, I'm not a Catholic priest. I'm a pastor. But we could probably find a priest for you to, to give the last rites. So, oh, no, 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 pastor. Oh, no, you father. <laughs> I want you to come. And pray for my son. He's dying. I'm concerned about his soul. This was a desperate mother. She literally said he's not been baptized. She was worried about that. She said, I'm afraid that he's not going to go to heaven. I need you to give him the last rites. And so I walk in there. I'm flipping through my Bible. I read a couple of scriptures to her. And then, with her permission... I anointed him. I shared the gospel with him. I said, 
For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever, and that means you, young man, will not perish. But you can trust in God. You can turn your life right now. You can give your life and have the hope of glory right now in this room that God's presence is healed here. And God is able. And God loves you and Christ died for you. And that's the good news. I said all that in about 30 to 45 seconds, you know. But I'll never forget, as I anointed him, I put my hands on his head and I prayed that the love of God in Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit would descend upon. And friends, it was a holy moment as that mother was there and that young man was there and we were praying. And God came. I walked out of there. Jim standing by the door. He pulled me aside in the hallway. He said, Dennis, I want you to know. I don't know all that was going on right there. But I believe that God had you come 2,500 miles from Miami County for this one reason, to come down to this hospital room and pray with that young man. And I didn't know. I said, I don't know, but I know God used me. I know God used me in that moment. Second Chronicles chapter 16 says that God is scanning the universe like a radar wand. Do you know what God's spirit is looking for? He's looking for people who are available. You might be scratching your head and sounds, oh, this is good, these stories, everything, but I just can't. I'm just little old me. Listen, here's what I do know. It's not about our ability. It's about our availability, friends. That God is looking for those who will lift up, use me prayers. Isaiah, he says, here I am, God. Send me. Use me. And if we pray that prayer, it's dangerous. Watch out, Miami Valley. Because God's going to do something that we never dreamed or imagined. Are you ready? I could go another 15, 20 minutes. Some of you are thinking, oh, Lord, help them. Help me. But I'm going to stop. Because I think you got the message, right? It's simple. Oh, it's hard to do but we know what to do. Break me, God. Lead me, God. Use me, God. May that be our prayer. In Jesus' name. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, we come to you. I thank you, Jesus, that you eat with everyone. You ate with Zacchaeus. You loved and offered grace to the woman in the temple. And you come here today and you offer your unconditional love to each of us. You don't give up when the world's given up on us. You don't give up. But you have a plan for us that's bigger than ourselves. You've got a plan for this church. Oh Lord, what happened in the past is all good, but we're not there anymore. You've got something for our day, for these people. And so we take your hand to find new strength. 
and will walk with you as you change the world for Jesus' sake. If you believe it, you receive it, say amen. amen. I hope you enjoyed today's message. I've got two invitations for you before you go. First, subscribe to our podcast so it shows up in your feed every week. And if today's message inspired you and you would like more people to hear it, you can give a financial gift through the Gingosburg app or online at gingosburg.org.